Is everybody having an okay time so far? Look at somebody say, glad you're here. <laughs> that was a little bit shaky. I just got to be honest with you. <laughs> I know we're all glad uh, we're here. I tell you what, being blessed is one of the best things in life. Would you say so? I think we look for blessings in lots of different areas. For instance, there was a guy walking along the coast of California at the beach where he lived, and he was really in depth in, in prayer, in deep prayer. And God was just so honored uh, that he said, you know what, I'm going to give this guy you know, whatever he wants. He can just name it. And uh, we see in the scriptures he did it with Solomon, so, hey, it's kind of believable. So he looks at God and he says, you know what, I want you to build a bridge to Hawaii for me because I've, I've always wanted to go there and I just want to be able to drive there as many times as I want, so I want you to build a bridge to Hawaii. And, and God said, you know, the logistics of that are steep. You've got to put concrete all the way down to the Pacific floor. I mean, I can do it, but it seems a little materialistic to me. Um, I want you to like go back and I want you to think this through and I want you to think of a blessing that I could give you that would really glorify my name. And so he thought about it and he came back and said, you know what, God, I, I really want to try and understand my wife to the core. I mean, I, when she cries and I don't know what she means and she says nothing's wrong, but I know there is something and I don't get it, and then I end up getting in trouble later. Like, I want to know. I want to, like, know how to perceive on the front end so that when I get home, I can do something so that when she comes through the door, it's not, you know, just, I, I, I want her to love me and feel that, and when she's silent, and I want to know what's wrong, and I just want to understand her to the core. That's my, that's my prayer. And God thought about it for a second, and he said, do you want that bridge two lanes or four? And I know that was a little bit of a slam on maybe some of the wives, but you know what? I, I, if God did it, I still don't know if we would really get it. <laughs> men don't have the capacity. It's not the wives. I think sometimes it's the men. We're in a series called I Am Blessed. And the bottom line of this series, hear it, I want you to understand it, I want you to memorize it, is I am blessed despite what my circumstances look like. That's, that's the whole concept of, of the series we're in. And if I asked you, are you blessed today, you would more than likely think about the things that are good, that are going on in your life, and you would come to the conclusion that you are or you are not blessed, depending on what's going good. That's kind of how we've trained ourselves as human beings to believe uh, when it comes to the question, am I blessed or not? But the bottom line of the series is, I am blessed despite what my circumstances might look like. Why? Well, because the kind of blessed that I'm talking about in this series, it's a kind of blessed that can't be touched. And so when you start talking about blessings in, in this context, it can't be based on circumstances because circumstances change constantly. Anybody believe that? So the kind of blessings that we're talking about are, are being blessed in such a way that it can't be touched. It's way down deep. In order to understand that statement, I'm blessed despite what my circumstances look like, we're looking to Jesus and his words because he had some things to say about being blessed. It's not my opinion. It's not the opinion of somebody else on this staff. We're looking to Jesus Christ and his words. And specifically in a, in a section of scripture that has become to be known, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it was a teaching that Jesus did that spans three chapters that we read in Matthew. Uh, this particular sermon that he spoke uh, was, was come, has come to be known as kind of the, the sermon of all sermons for Jesus because it literally defined him. It defined what he stood for. It was like the DNA of who Jesus was. And we're looking at the beginning of that and what he says about being blessed. And he, he says that blessed people in this way have certain attributes. And he names eight of them. 
And in this series, we're walking through these attributes. And as you do, I want you to really begin to understand that you'll see that these are the attributes that Christ took on. And my hope that we can grasp as, uh, the, the hope that, that we grasp this particular thing is this, is, is that we begin to understand that I become more like Christ, and the more I do, the more blessed I am. That if Christ took on these attributes, and he's talking about these people are blessed, and the more I become like Christ, the more blessed I am. Last week, we looked at verse 3 in Matthew 5 when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Today, let's look at what he says in the next verse, in verse 4. Look at it on the screens. He says this, Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, that sounds like a huge contradiction. Maybe even bigger than last week, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, because what Jesus calls blessed, in this case, mourn, blessed to those who mourn, what he calls blessed, we see as a tragedy. What he calls blessed, we see as heartbreak. Now, I don't know how many of you are going through a season right now in your life where you're mourning, but mourning is different than just pain. When we have pain in our lives, typically there's something that we can do or somebody else can do to relieve it. There's something that we look for uh, that, that can kind of make the pain subside. But when you go into mourning, mourning is, is, is like this, this situation in your life that can't be reconciled. There is no answer for it. There's nothing you can do to change it. The person is gone. And there is this hole in your life that absolutely cannot be filled. And there's nothing you can do to fill it. The doctor has come in and give the news. He's given the news and at first you're kind of in denial and you're like, you know what, there has to be something that can be done here. And your mind is like, I just can't accept this. There, there has to be something. But it's, it's a, a dose of reality when you begin to really grasp how limited humanity really is and what they're able to do and not do. Maybe your adult child is in pain and there's absolutely nothing you can do to change the fact that they're in pain. There's nothing you can do to take on the pain yourself. You would, but you can't. And the deepest parts of you are in agony. Because when you look at your child, you, you don't just see the adult child. You see the little boy or the little girl that needs their mama, that needs their daddy. And it sends you to this place that's irreconcilable. You don't know what to do. And then Jesus comes along and says, these are the kinds of people that are blessed. These are the kinds of people that are, that are blessed. And we're all thinking the same thing. We, we, we don't equate blessed people to hurt in that magnitude. But Jesus said something that, that I think we really need to grasp. He said, blessed are those that mourn, present tense. For they will be comforted future. Blessed are those that mourn in the here and now, for they will be comforted. There's coming a day when comfort is coming. He says they're going to be comforted. He says, but those who are mourning are blessed right now. Have you ever been blessed but didn't know you were being blessed until after the fact? And then you look back and thought, man, there was really a blessing in that that I didn't, I didn't see. You ever prayed and asked God for something, and he didn't answer it the way you wanted to, and maybe the answer was no, and at the time it felt so bad, and you were so hurt over what you didn't have, over the answers you didn't have, and you had no idea of the blessing until the situation was, was, was long gone, it was over, and then you realized that, you know what, there, there was a blessing in that that I didn't see at the time of the circumstance. The comfort of your future has very little to do with the blessing that God God wants to work in your life today. 
He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Sometimes the greatest blessing that God does in your life, it's not a thing. It's not something that he does in a moment. It's not the relationship being reconciled right now. It's not the, the healing that you so long for to take place. Sometimes the, it's the things with an S. It's, the, it's the, the plural things, blessings that he does in your life as a season of mourning unfolds and he walks with you in this life. And sometimes that happens when you don't even realize the blessings are there. And maybe you're mourning today. If you are, you've reached the bottom in some area of your life, and it's irreconcilable, and the pain that you feel can't be subsided by mere human things. I want you to take courage because it's right here in this moment of your life that you are the most open to the things of God. And God wants you to reach to him. And if you do, Jesus says that there is blessing in the making for you. And I want to show you two main things today that uh, that come in the form of blessing in your life, sometimes when you don't even know it's happening, you begin to realize some things whenever you reach for God in a season of mourning, whenever there's nothing anybody can do, nothing you can do to change your circumstance. Yeah, but you reach to God. You reach for him with everything in you. You begin to understand a couple of things. First thing you understand is that God is with you, that he's never left you, and that he's still there. Uh, when this type of pain first hits us, some of the questions that we ask immediately is, where is God? We feel like God's abandoned us. Where is he? Does he even know what I'm going through? And if he does know what I'm going through, why isn't he doing anything? Doesn't he see the pain I'm in? But when you reach to him with your empty heart, with your mourning heart, you begin to realize that he's with you. And, and when you know that he's with you, there are some truths that begin to uh, become inevitably clear. The first one is that this, he's aware. He's with you and he is aware. He understands, he sees you, and he knows about your situation, listen to me, in detail. He doesn't just see you generally, that, hey, this person's in pain over there. He knows the intricacies of every single part of the situation. He knows. He's aware. David said in Psalm 23 that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. He didn't say, you know, God's going to pull me up out of the shadow of the valley. He said, you know what, I'm there and God is with me. He is aware of what I'm going through and he's there with you in the middle of your storm. He's there with you in the middle of your morning and he's aware of the details. Psalm 56, David says this, he's so aware that he knows the amount of tears that you've cried and keeps a record of them. Every time you've cried, no one else sees the tears. Every time you've been by yourself and been hurting and mourning in solitude, no one else knows because you put on a front in front of everybody else because we have to. It's society, right? But God is the God that when you invite him into your hurt, he knows the amount of tears you've cried. He's well acquainted with you, and he knows exactly where you are. And he doesn't stop there. Here's another truth that you begin to understand. God cares. He actually cares more than you even know. Jesus tried to describe this for us as human beings in, in Matthew 10, 29. Uh, he said that not one sparrow, he's talking about a bird. Back then they would have birds for different things, sacrifices and what, and you'd buy them. He, he said, not one sparrow, what do they cost? Two for a penny? But even the, the, the sparrows, not one falls to the ground without the father knowing it. And yet he knows the amount of hairs that are on your head. So don't worry, you are more valuable to him than many sparrows. I got to tell you, it can be really comforting knowing that a parent or a friend cares about you whenever you're going through the worst time in life. It can be comforting knowing that, and you need it. But ultimately, do you know that they can't solve anything? They can't change anything about your situation, and they can't heal you. 
All they can do, all a parent, a friend, someone that cares about, all they can do is love you while you try to find answers. That's it. They can support you, but they can do nothing on your insides. But it's a whole different blessing to know that God, way down deep, cares about you. And he's the one that not only knows how to walk you through this season, but on the other side of it, there's healing for you. He knows how to heal your heart. He knows the exact path that needs to be taken in order for you to get on the other side and have a heart that's healed. Uh, the prophet Nahum said that God cares for those who trust him. He cares for those who understand that they put their, their self aside and begin to trust him. He's aware of you. He cares for you. And not just that, but he wants to help you. That's another truth that we begin to understand that begins to, to become very relevant to us when we know that he's with us. He wants to help us. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 16, it says, let us come boldly before the throne of God and stay there to receive mercy and to find grace to help us in our time of need. One of the greatest blessings in life is not to have our problems go away, but rather it's the grace of God that sustains us as we endure them. When God says you're in need, he also says my grace is enough for you. It'll sustain you. Now, when you begin to realize that God is with you, and you begin to understand the truth that he's aware of you, and you begin to understand the truth that he cares for you and that he wants to help you, here's the reality. You might still be in mourning. You might still have a broken heart. You might still be in a place where you feel the pain of your situation, and it's in that moment, listen to me, that you begin to know the difference between God being sovereign and in control and allowing the pain of your situation to stay. And that, that's a tough place to be. But we got to stop viewing God as Mr. Fix-It. we got to stop viewing him like that, and we have to learn how to hurt in front of him. That's, that's big right there. We look at God as, you know what? God has to come in and he has to fix my problem because he's God and he's capable. And by golly, we pray it. And we know that we, we're praying for God to walk us through and praying for, for, for some type of resolution. But, but we have to learn the, the art. We have to learn the intimacy of coming to God, not as a Mr. Fix-It, but learning how to hurt in front of him. The, the grace that we talked about in, in Hebrews, it's found at the feet of Jesus, hurting in front of him. We, we're so good at asking God to, to fix things. We're so good at asking God to get us out of this pain, but we rarely sit at his feet and invite him into the hurt that we have and accept where we are. It, you know, but the, the, to have God's grace, not the grace to fix everything, but the grace to endure the problem, the grace to endure the season of, of mourning. It's the only time that I've seen people that are in the toughest times of their life and they say, I'm blessed. I mean, there's no other explanation for it. It's when they begin to understand that God is with them, and they understand that God cares, and they understand that God is for them, and he's, he's, he cares about them, and he's aware of them, and he's, he's helping them to get through. It's not when their problems go away, but it's when they begin to understand that it's okay for me to hurt right now, and I'm going to invite God into it. They begin to lay their heads down at night. No, I, I don't have the answers. I don't know what's coming for me tomorrow. I don't know when this problem's going to go away. I don't know when I'm going to stop hurting like I do, but I know the one that holds tomorrow. And as the old song goes, I know that he's holding my hand right now. And I'm not giving that up. I'll go to him. I'll hurt in front of him. I'll invite him in because he's with me. The second thing that we begin to realize as we reach for God in the middle of our morning is that we can rely on his resources. That God... He has a supply for us. 
And he wants us not just to reach to him, to the throne room, but he wants us to take hold of the resources that he's given us. I said last week, I don't know if you picked up on it, if you're comfortable depending on yourself, then you also have to be comfortable depending on your own power and your own resources. And our own resources, our own power, it always falls short. So it, it might go for a time. We might be able to stick it out. We might be able to put on a front. Some are better at that than others because their personalities or they've got more drive. But at a certain point, you will exhaust yourself. You will exhaust your ability to be able to put on the front, and you will fall. But God's resources are never changing, and they're unlimited. God's resources are powerful, and he has the ability to lift you up, and they never lose the intensity. And I just want to name three resources right here for you to take hold of and make note of. The first one is this. He makes readily available for us his word. His word. And I don't want us to underestimate that this morning. It is absolutely impossible to find the strength of God, to find his joy and his supply and begin to understand how much he loves us apart from his word. You can't do it. You can't do it on your upbringing. You can't do it just by some knowing in the back of your mind because somebody told you at some point that God was good and the Bible is real and it's all true. That's not going to get you through. You have to begin to digest it for yourself. You have to begin to make it come alive to you. In a time where you're in the most need of God, the hunger that you have for his word has to increase. In Psalm 119, by the way, this psalm is the longest uh, chapter that we have in the Bible, and it's thought to be written by David. Uh, verse 52 says, from my earliest youth, I have tried to obey you, and your word has been my comfort. I love verse 105. It says that your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And I love this because it gives the illustration of this path that you're walking on, which is much like the path that you might be walking on today in your morning. And if you've ever walked on a path at night and you've had a lantern or a flashlight, you can't see the whole thing, but you can see a few steps in front of you. And that's what God illuminates for you. He's not going to show you the whole thing. And, and there's one big reason why that I can wrap my mind around. And that is if he showed you the whole thing, you'd never do it. <laughs> you, you would stay put. You would be too scared because of the challenges that are ahead. But not just the challenges, but the blessings that you don't even realize you can handle from here. And in order to get there, you've got to go through some stuff. And God's not going to show you the whole thing now because the minute that he does, you try to think about how you're going to accomplish it in and of your own strength. And you're not going to be able to. And so what he does is he shows you your next step. And you may not understand the whole thing or how it relates to the whole picture, but he says, your word is where I get that light from. Your word is where I begin to understand that it's, it's, a, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so when I begin to read your word, the path that I'm supposed to take illuminates. Because I'm going to tell you what's true. You in and of your human self, you can think of a million different paths to walk. And the funny thing is, is whenever we think about the path to walk uh, in and of ourselves, we always see the whole path. And we limit ourselves because that path is doable from where you are right now. But God wants to set you up to walk a path that by the time you get to the end of it, you're not the same. You're a completely different person. You've got strength you didn't know you have. You have blessings in your life that you couldn't handle from here because you've gone through some really hard stuff in order to get there to be able to, to for God to shape you to be able to handle it. And the only way we get through that, the only way we get to the other side is knowing his word. Verse 50 in that psalm says this. This was a comfort for me when I was going through a difficult time. When I suffer, this comforts me. Your promise gives me life. Your word gives me life. You, the things that you've said in your word, I know that they're true. 
And in the middle of my suffering, when I can't make heads or tails, when I can't find all the answers, when I don't know how in the world it's ever going to get better. I remember one time, particularly in my journey, I looked at God and I said, Lord, is it even possible anymore? Because what I'm looking at right now, it, it doesn't look like, like healing is even a possibility. When I suffer, this comforts me. Your promise gives me life. God said, absolutely it is. You can't see it from here, but you can lay your head down tonight knowing that I will come through. That didn't come from me. That didn't come from some good saying. That came from God's word. David in Psalm 1, he, he says, somebody that meditates on God's word is like a tree that's planted by streams of living water that's leaf does not wither and in due time will yield fruit. We don't have fruit in our lives all the time. Sometimes we go through a season of mourning and, and all we have is, is, is literally nothing. But God says, I'm not, you're not going to die during this. And he said, there will come a time if you meditate on my word, if you make that who you are, if you walk the path that I have for you, even though you don't understand it, in due season, you will, like that tree, you will yield fruit. And you know what fruit's good for? Not only does it look good, God wants to put blessings in your life that, man, makes your life look good to the people that knew you before. But also, it gives him a good name. Because people are going to ask you, man, how, how are you so blessed right now? And you're going to be able to say, you know what, I wasn't always this way. I was like a tree that didn't have any fruit on it. But God, you know, he sustained me. But now let me tell you what, what God did. Let me tell you how he brought me through. What you're seeing right now isn't how it's always been. Isn't it funny how the people that uh, see your blessed life, they have no idea what you went through, and they want what you have now, but yet aren't willing to walk the path that you want walk to get there? They see the fruit in your life, and they think it just happened yesterday. But they have no idea the path that you had to walk there to get the fruit that you now have in your life that God ha has, has given you. It starts in God's word. It starts with a path that he has specifically for you, and you don't know that path unless you walk in his word. When you study God's word, you find God. And it's interesting. I, what I've realized about God's word is that you're not necessarily going to find the answers to your problems in his word, not verbatim, not in context, but you find God. And when you find God, the problems that you face in life become doable. You don't, you don't find, you're not going to open up the scriptures like jack-in-the-box Bible reading. Anybody ever do that? When you stick your finger in some, close your eyes, and then you open it up, and then wherever it happens to land, that's where, don't look at me like that. You know you've done it. <laughs> and we think, well, God, what do you have for me today? And you open it up, and you think, this is where, you know, God's going to solve all my problems today. You, you, might, you might not find context to your problems in the Word of God exactly like it is every time you read it. But what you find is God. And when you find God, he does something in your heart. He grows you to the place that your problems become, become doable. And the reason is because you begin to hear and follow another resource of God's, and that's this, his spirit. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in your faith, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. Did you know that, that all boiled down? Uh, that the Holy Spirit was given, we read about it in Acts 2, it was given to give power and to give life. That's what it was for, power and life. And the Holy Spirit has a role in our lives. And unfortunately, in today's society, if I say the Holy Spirit, um, the King James Version of the Bible says the Holy Ghost, and all I got to do is say something like that, or I got to say Pentecostal holiness, man, and everybody automatically thinks about people jumping from chandeliers and handling snakes and and women with skirts that go all the way down past the floor and hair buns and, 
and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, and we, we make a big show on Sunday and we run around and that crazy. Am I lying? We, we, we say Pentecostal holiness or the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I just want to tell you that, first of all, that's not true in its entirety, at least not in the context that we're talking about. Did you know that God doesn't change? The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he doesn't change. The Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Godhead. And so if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't change, then why does he look so different in different people? And, you know, some people like to run when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get this joy, and they just, woo, they just go to shouting, and they run. And, and other people sit in solitude, and they just they sit there, and they weep. And they've never raised their hand, but on the inside, they're, they're just bursting open. Me, I like to sit here, and when, when it gets good to me, and I begin to realize the power of the words that we sang this morning, that, that you know what, I can sing, and I can shout, and, and the power of God rests in me, and that he sent his son to die for me, and I'm a son of God. I cry. Anybody else in the room a crier when it comes to work? I can't help it. I just, tears begin to flow. I told God one time, I was like, if I'm crying this much here, I don't know what I'm going to do when I actually see you. Based on, like, I'm just going to be a mess. But you know what? The, the Holy Spirit comes into us and reveals things to us and helps us and gives us joy. And what you see on the outside isn't the Holy Spirit. What you see is the, that's different people's reaction to the Holy Spirit. Some people like to shout. Some people cry. Some people sit in silence. That has a lot to do, not with the Holy Spirit, that has a lot to do with the personality of the person, which is beautiful in all its different aspects. But the fact is, is that the same Holy Spirit, he doesn't change, but he gives power to the individual. He gives life to the individual. And his job is not here to take us on some weird journey that doesn't make any sense. His job is to make the word of God come alive to us. When we read it, his job is to comfort us. His job is to guide us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God the Father. We don't know the mind of God the Father. We're human beings, but the Holy Spirit does. And he was sent here to show us what that is and to guide us. In other words, God has a plan for your life, specifically for everything that you'll ever go through. And the Holy Spirit has toured the mind of God and knows the plan for your life. And his job is to come here and give you your next step, one step at a time until you hit every place that you're supposed to be all along the way. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we're not making uh, use of that resource that God has given us in him, it's him here with us, then if you go through a season of mourning, you're going to be in a really, really, really difficult place trying to figure it out yourself. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of everything that Jesus said to us. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort us, to, to produce something in us. Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The, the, in other words, when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, it's supposed to produce something in you. It says it's going to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And you're thinking, wow, the Holy Spirit produces all that in me? Yeah. And one of the most vulnerable times in your life if you need forgiveness in your life, if you need comfort in your life, if you want to grow and make this season of your life even more uh, and make it count, make it more than you ever could have known, then don't look at the Holy Spirit as some supplemental option in your life. You've got to look at him as, as, a, as the authority of your life and let him lead. When Paul told the Romans, he said, you know, I, I, my prayer is that he fill you up. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a quantity word. It wasn't talking about, you know, we want to fill you all the way up like a tank. The, the original language in the Greek, the word actually meant, it had the connotation of asking, who's in control? 
I pray that he, he fill you up. I pray that you make him Lord of your life. I pray that you submit to him, yield to him, yield your way of doing things to him. And when you do, you're going to find something that you're going to find blessing in this journey that you never found before. Another resource of God's is his people. God's people. Did you know that we need each other? I could stand here today and I could tell you so many stories that uh, people were in and they were mourning and going through a season of really difficult hurt. And one of the biggest things that got them through was other people in the church that was filled with the Holy Spirit, that yielded to the Holy Spirit, that had been where they had been, and they helped them through. And that's, that's what we're here to do. I could tell you about every kind of grief, and I could tell you about the hope that was found. And that's really what God meant for his church to be. He didn't mean for us to be a group of people that come in here and keep the relationship shallow, and, you know, how you doing, I'm doing good, and then walk out of here and hurt in life alone. I think one of the biggest failures that we have sometimes is that we walk out of here and, and we, we let ourselves be isolated in the pain that we feel because we think nobody else could know what we're going through or nobody else understands what it is that I'm going through. I'm, I'm hurting in this way and nobody else is going to get that or I'd be embarrassed to say it because everybody's going to think that, that I'm crazy. And, and I just want to tell you, maybe you, you've gone through a time where you've got a failed marriage or you've got a broken home. Uh, sometimes those things go together. And failed finances, bankruptcy, you know, embarrassed to even try to find help from anybody, much less the church. Maybe you've lost somebody that you love, and, and you're hurting over it, and there's a hole inside of you. And maybe you were betrayed deeply by somebody that you trusted, and you're hurting over that, and you're mourning. Uh, parents, maybe you have children that are going astray. Do you know that the church is, is not meant to look at you and just say, well, here, here's a high five. I hope you get better. The church is supposed to be a hospital for people just like that who are hurting. And the doctors and the nurses are us. In fact, Paul told the Corinthian church in chapter one what our role is in that. He, he starts out by declaring what a wonderful God that we have. He is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and in our trials. I love this. Then he asked the question, why does he do this? Here's why. So when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort that God has given us. That's our job. That's your job. That's mine. We're supposed to be helping one another. And we're supposed to be opening up ourselves to one another so that we can, we can have help whenever we need it. And this is what Satan does. Satan says this, you should just stay home. You shouldn't reach out for any. You know what? This will probably pass, but you don't want to bother anybody else with this. That's actually not something that you tell yourself because you're wired to follow God. You're wired to reach out for his spirit. You're wired to follow him. And he will always lead you to people that are filled with his spirit, that are growing in him, and that can help you. Satan is the one. The enemy of your faith is the one that says, I want to keep you isolated. And here's why he does that. If you ever see, if you ever watch Animal Planet and watch a herd, and they're, they're going, and then wolves come and attack, they, they don't go after the whole herd because they know they're, they're no match for it. What they do is they isolate one. They isolate a weak one. And that's what Satan wants to do. They isolate that weak one. They've, they've got them. And you may be going through a season where you're weak, where you're hurting, where you're mourning, 
where you're going through some of these difficult times in life and Satan wants nothing else than for you to stay by yourself, isolated. That would be, why? Because you can't be encouraged. If I stay out of the realm of other people that are believers and out of the realm of people that are filled with the Spirit, then they can't encourage me. They can't fill me up with the Word of God. They can't, uh, they can't tell me and, 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 and give me the Word that God has given them because I'm, I'm nowhere near them. I'm keeping them at bay. And so therefore, being isolated, you become subject to what the enemy has to say. And God says, you know what? You weren't made for that. You were made to plug into the church when you're feeling great and be a blessing to others. And you were made to be plugged into the church when you're going through the worst time in your life so they can be a blessing to you. God says, I've got a resource for you while you're mourning and you're blessed because of it, because of my church surrounding you. That's why we have bridge groups here. Did you know that? It's, it's, it's great. I love our bridge groups. We have a good time in them. We, we really, the relationships deepen. But the whole point of this is so that when we go through a hard time, we're there for each other. That's why we have prayer teams. When, when you give our, us your prayer requests, we don't just stick them on a shelf somewhere. We pray for you. We, we take that extremely seriously. It goes out to our prayer teams. Our senior leadership team prays. Why? Because your needs matter. It doesn't matter how big or small they may seem to you or to somebody else. They, they matter to God, and so they matter to us. We're his church. We're supposed to be helping each other. So we're, we're, we function as a church that's designed to help you in your time of need. Utilize that resource that God gives you. If you're mourning right now, I want you to understand God is, is saying to you, I have resources available to you, but let me tell you the bottom line as I'm wrapping up here. You have to start out by reaching out to him. You, you, you can't find the blessing in the morning if you don't reach out to God. Billy Graham told a story years ago about a man named Joseph Scriven, and he was alive back in the early 1800s. He was an Irishman, and he was deeply in love with this woman, and he, he was head over heels, blessed, and they had plans to be married, and uh, it, was, it was a big to-do. And tragically, the night before they were to be married, she drowned, tragically, in an accident. And it sent him into a place he never thought he'd go. For months, he was bitter. For months, he was in despair. For months, he was in that place of mourning, this irreconcilable uh, place that he, he, you can't make heads or tails of the circumstance. God, why would you do this? And then he found himself getting bitter. And he eventually turned to Jesus. And maybe this was after he had bounced around and isolated. I don't know all the, the details, but he, he eventually turned to Jesus and he found grace. The situation didn't change, but he found grace to endure. And he found grace to get through. And it wasn't overnight, but he found peace. And eventually he found himself being comforted. And it's nuts, but we actually know this man. We actually know... What came out of that story? He actually wrote a song that you're probably very familiar with. And the first line goes, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. How do you go from losing that much and then walking this path to the place where your heart is healed and you found blessing enough to cry out, man, what a friend we have in Jesus. Not that he, 
he cancels everything that's wrong. Not that he, you know, fixes every problem the way we want him to fix them. But what a friend we have in him because we can go to him and carry all of our burdens to him. We can sit at his feet and we can hurt. And we can know that he's with us. And we can, we can understand the truth that he cares about us. That he is a very aware of our needs. That he's counting the tears. And that he longs to help us. That he's got resources readily available to us. And even though I'm mourning, I'm walking along this path. And I don't know how, but I'm finding myself eventually saying, I'm blessed. Eventually I get to the place where I'm not just blessed in the morning knowing these things about God. But I find myself healing. And I get to the place where I'm like, I don't even know, I, don't even, I can't pinpoint the day it happened. But it happened. And I'm here today to tell you, God heals. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted, but they're blessed now. We're designed and wired to run to God in the midst of our mourning. That's the reason why we're blessed. We're wired that way. I found this out uh, last week when I was taking my nine-year-old to school and normally I just drop him off in the car line, but this particular day I had to go in to get some information from the office. And we're walking through the parking lot, and he's trying to give me some instructions on how I'm supposed to be uh, as I walk into his school. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm dad, everything's good with you being in the office, but you don't have to walk me to class. <clears throat> okay? <laughs> hint, hint, dad. And at first I'm going like, what's wrong with me walking you to class? You know, and then I, real, I, I already knew. He doesn't want to be embarrassed. He doesn't want me to embarrass him in his class. When he's feeling good, he's really cool with me walking next to him, kind of being in the office and staying out of certain areas in his life. He's got three other brothers. Let that same boy get hurt by one of his brothers and that same kid that didn't want me anywhere near him. Now he wants me to hold him. He, he runs, why? Why is that? Because we're wired for pain and sorrow to naturally drive us into the arms of our parents. They, they can be running around doing what you told them not to do. They can be kind of all independent they want. But when they fall and they hurt themselves, their hands go up and they come to daddy. They come to mama and they want their parent to hold them. And, and we're wired to do the exact same thing. I don't know why, but somewhere along the way, we have kind of forgotten the fact that God is the one that we're wired to run to whenever we go through the darkest times of our lives. Because when we're in his arms, we find comfort, even if it still hurts. Even if the situation hasn't been reconciled, we, we find blessing and comfort in the arms of God. It's where we find reassurance and the stability of knowing that ultimately everything's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to be okay. I don't have the answers. I don't know what's coming next. But I know that if I trust in God and rest in Him, that I'm going to be all right. I'm going to make it. It's where we get advice from Him. It's where we get wisdom. So that when we get to the other side of this thing, we've actually grown from this experience. And haven't just wasted our time and survived it. You know, the worst thing my son could do is go into his room and get extremely angry at his brothers and start plotting revenge, which I've had to stop him from doing a time or two. Nothing good comes from that. Nothing good comes from that when you do it, when you isolate yourself and you become bitter and you become asking the questions there are no answers to and you become fixated on trying to find a solution that will never come. Blessed are those who mourn because mourning naturally drives us to God. But we have to choose it. And, and just like our kids when they're hurting, when we reach to our Father, the result is always comfort. The result is always the fact of knowing that God is with us and being blessed with His Word, with His Spirit, and with His church. Can I pray for you today? 
I know there's a lot of people in the room that may be going through a season of mourning. And I just want to tell you, the, the worst thing you could ever do is isolate yourself and be alone. Let me, let me pray for you. God, I, I know that there's people all over this room, there's people listening online who are going through a season of hurt and pain to the place that they don't have answers. And Lord, as, as a human being, just standing here right now, I, sometimes I try to find words that bring some type of comfort, but I realize in standing right here that that's not my job. My job is to point them to you that when they walk out of here, they don't have Pastor Ryan's voice in their head, but they have the voice of an almighty God speaking in and through their hearts and in their spirits, making your word come alive. So Holy Spirit, do it. I pray that you give comfort. I pray that you give peace. I pray, as Philippians 4 says, that we can pray and we can, we can ask and we can give thanks and a peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We believe these words that Jesus said that, that we're blessed when we mourn, not because we're, we're just hurting so bad, but because we, we learn to be naturally driven to you. I say we learn because sometimes we have to relearn it. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that that drive to go to something is you. It's not other things. And I pray we find the blessing in knowing you're there. Holy Spirit, show us. Guide us. Maybe you're here today or, or you're listening and in the morning you're doing right now is mourning over your own sin. Maybe you've made some decisions living far from God and, and maybe you're having to reap the consequences of it. And maybe you'd like to say to Jesus today, I'm, I'm ready to make you the Lord of my life. I'm ready to change. Would you be willing to pray a bold prayer with me? It goes like this. If you pray it, God will hear your heart. God, I need you. I've tried my own way and it's, it's not worked. And I'm reaping the consequences now and it's heavy. It's hard. And I, I'm not going to be able to reconcile it because I can't. I've gone too far. But God, I know I'm, I have a hope in you. I believe that you're the God that, that raises dead things and brings beauty from the ashes of this earth. Sometimes we create them ourselves. But I believe that you really came to this earth to sacrifice for me, to give yourself up and bleed and die for me. A debt that I was supposed to pay, but you lived a perfect life and you sacrificed for me. I believe you really were, uh, rose from the grave. I believe that. I confess that I need you. And I, I don't have all the answers right now, but I do know that I love you and I want to make you Lord. I want to give you the authority to help me. I don't know where this is going to take me, but I do know this. I'm going to end up exactly where I need to be at exactly the right time until one day I stand before you face to face and I don't get into heaven because of anything good I've done, not even the good that I'm doing right now by accepting you. Not in and of itself, but when God the Father, when you look at me, you're going to see the perfection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this journey. I start today in Jesus' name. Can you say amen together with me? Amen. Look at me just for a second. I, this, this is a heavy one, guys. Um, it was heavy in the sense that there's a, we're all human beings and we're all hurting. Let me, let me just give you some instruction. If, if you're hurting today, if you're mourning, don't do it alone. Reach out. Reach out to somebody. Reach out to, to me. Reach out to this church. Reach out to somebody that you know. Surround yourself with people that are full of the Spirit of God that can give you godly wisdom and godly advice as you go through this time where sometimes you don't know which way to turn. I've seen the godliest people not know what to do and be tempted to turn and go in opposite direction because of the pain and the hurt that they feel. We all need godly people in our lives. 
Men, listen to me. I say this to men specifically today. I say it to everybody, but men, I just want to point out to you, it is not a wussy thing to ask for help. I, I know how it feels going through the hardest time of my life. I kind of wanted to just keep it to myself because I didn't want to look like, you know, I was hurting because, you know, I wouldn't look like a, like a real man. Let me tell you something. The most manly thing you can do sometimes is to admit you don't have it all together and to get help and heal. Get help. Join a bridge group. Get counseling. We're here to help you find these answers if you need us. If you've just said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time today, one of the worst things you could do is do it alone. And so on your Connect card, there's a place that says, I prayed to receive Christ. And you can check that box today, and we'll follow up with you. We're going to be praying for you today, but we'll follow up with you this week and talk to you about some next steps that you can take so you can make sure that you don't do this journey alone. That's, that's my challenge to you today as your pastor. I want you to know I love you guys. I want you to have a great week this week, understanding that God is with you and that he's going to hold your hand and walk you through. We're going to continue this series next week. I am blessed. I want you to have a great week this week, and I will see you next time.